All right. We are connected. We've been having some technical difficulties this morning, but we're going to push through. All right. Welcome to the Church Lies Podcast, the podcast where we expose the lies of the church one scripture at a time. I'm your host, E-Dub, and I'm joined by my co-host. Hey, this is Ismail. I'm just here to let everybody know to stay safe this holiday season. And remember yeah. that uh, all the holidays have passed. This is these are all the stuff that's coming up is stuff that we're not supposed to be celebrating. You're just really supposed to be celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles that just happened a few months ago. So um, that was it. That, that's all I had. <laughs> hey, with with all you know, it's it's funny because I don't think it's an accident that these things are taking place with COVID and everything like that. And, they, and they're uh, minimizing the, uh, or, or encouraging people to not gather for Thanksgiving and Christmas uh, the way they used to. I don't, I don't think that that's an accident. I think that's the most high trying to get our attention. Like, hey, my people, why are you doing what you're doing? Where in my word did I tell you to celebrate these things? Where in my word did I tell you to keep these? And so I, I'm looking at this stuff unfold and I'm like, you know, Elohim, I think this is you. I don't think that this is, you know, well, they just, well, we shouldn't, you know, congregate, you know, we should just stay separate for the most part. No, I think this is the most high doing it. I think this is the most high trying to tell his people, you know, wake up, come out. I didn't tell you to do this. Christmas is not what you think. Thanksgiving is not what you think. These holidays are not what you think. Come to me. Come back to me. So I, I definitely think that there's something to that um, with the holidays and things of that nature and all the stuff that's going on. Um, so it's, it's just a whole lot of, of turmoil and chaos going on. Uh, we want to give uh, um, prayers, though, to everyone who is either dealing with COVID or who has lost someone um, dealing with COVID. Uh, I've had family members who've had it. None of them have passed, um, fortunately, but I have had some, uh, quite a few family members who did get extremely sick. Uh, I do know um, quite a few people through friends and things of that nature who have passed um, from COVID-19. And so uh, we do want to send our condolences and our prayers. Uh, but at the same time, man, we, we got to ask ourselves, you know, is this judgment from the most high? Is the most high trying to get our, our attention? Uh, the word is very clear when he sends uh, pestilence and disease and famine and drought and things of that nature on the earth. It's a form of judgment. It's a it's a way to get his people to turn back to him, to repent of their sins, to repent of their wickedness and to seek him and to do what he told them to do. And so uh, we need to look at that. We need to pay attention to that. Uh, I'm not hearing that coming from a religious entity, specifically a church. I'm, I'm not hearing that, you know, COVID is a call to repentance. It's a call to seek the word, to seek what the most high wants us to do. Uh, and that's sad that I'm not hearing that because it's very clear in the word that uh, when these things take place, it's, it, it is a form of judgment. So uh, we're we going to try to get that word out, you know, seek, seek the most high, seek his word. You know, make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do. So um, today, 
Oh, before I move on, is did you have anything else you want to say about that? Um, I have nothing to say. Like I co-sign everything that you just said regarding the um, uh, what we're going through now. Um, it's just odd whenever we hear people. It's 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 just really odd whenever you see people when it comes to what we're going through with uh this pandemic. Um, a lot of times people are stating that, oh, you know, we we're praying for this to go away, but it's not mm-hmm. going away. Right. So instead of seeking the word, they just continue to pray for things that are fleeting. Because <laughs> like now it's, it's if it's not going away, that means that there's it's here for a reason. It's mm-hmm. here for your either for your punishment or for your learning. And then that mm-hmm. means you're supposed to be going to the word in order to understand what's going on, the times that you're in, because it may have been prophesied. It may have been right. Um, highlighted on but instead of that we've like a lot of times we've been taught to rely so much on the church for our Mm -hmm. understanding that we don't bother to go to the word for our understanding Mm -hmm. essentially um, a lot of these church buildings closed and may may have switched to online formatting um it's truly a a, a mile like pretty much it's truly the time for you to lean not to your church's understanding and actually get the understanding from the text mm-hmm. and like like you can't go to a building now you, you gotta mm-hmm. rely on yourself you can't um rely on a, a person like a pastor's word or a preacher's word especially when every time they say oh yeah you know it's going to do and then you see the contrary happens that means mm-hmm. that there's something not aligning so mm-hmm. it's up this death like this time especially i can't stress enough how important how imperative is it for you to read the word for yourself All right absolutely i mean when, when you look at it pastors are dying from covid church members are dying church leaders are dying from covid you know and you have, you have to ask yourself, you know, we, we, we say all the time, what well, the most high, you know, he, he's going to protect us. He's going to keep us. But this disease is taking out, quote, his people. It's taking out Christians. It's taking out people who say they believe him and believe his word. And it's a, a difficult thing to rationalize in your brain because you, in your mind you're saying, you know, I thought you, you, would, you would protect us. I thought that you would will keep us, but our, our people are dying. Our church leaders are dying. Pastors are dying. And when, whenever there's a difficulty in this life, whether it's something personal you're going through, whether it's um, money stuff, whether it's life, you, you have to look at the word and see what the word says. The word is timeless. It has the answers. And the word shows us. I mean, we look at Matthew 24. In the last days, there will be wars and rumors of war, famines, pestilences. Pestilence is just a disease in in various places. He said, these are the beginnings of the sorrows. We're living in a time of a worldwide pandemic. A worldwide pandemic. At the same time, we are living in a time where we just 
met the end of the 400 years of his captivity of his people. And he said, but the nation whom they serve, I'm going to judge. And his people are scattered into all nations. So that would mean that all nations would be under this judgment. And so when you look at COVID and then when you look at what the scripture is saying, it's like, wait a minute. He's literally telling us that judgment is about to commence. And then, what, a year, less than a year after the 400-year prophecy came to a close, COVID started to take place, and it started to spread from China to Europe, then here to America. And Black people were saying, you know, well, you know, Black people can't get it. You know, we our melanin, it defends us from it. And my thought was, I said, that doesn't make sense because we, we, we spread the flu around each other. We can't go to a party without coming back sick. We spread flu, stomach virus, all that type of stuff around each other. How can, how can we not spread this COVID, which is deadlier than the flu? And now we're seeing in our communities where it is wreaking havoc in families. Uh, I, I, I was a teacher and I had students tell me they lost aunties, uncles, you know, grandparents from COVID. I mean, it's, it's wreaking havoc in our communities and we gotta we gotta stop and ask ourselves Elohim is this is this from you even though church has taught us you know he doesn't do anything bad he says in his word that he sends evil on a people when they commit sin and refuse to repent he says that all throughout the word that this is what he does and so we gotta ask ourselves is he sent has he sent this to us because we have not turned back to him and now, turned to do what he told us to do. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You mean you, you, you're you saying something where it's like, what? The, he's holding us accountable for our actions? I thought I only had to do was just believe or just pay my tithes or just mm -hmm. do these things that's just for show. Mm -mm. You mean there's actually guidelines I have to follow? There's, there's, there's work, and that work is lined up in the scripture. But I and thought this that is why consisted of me just uh, participating in church. I, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, a, I'm part of the choir. I'm a usher board. I, I'm on. And, and none of that stuff is in the word, and that's why we have to do this podcast because this podcast is pointing out the things, the lies that we're told in church. And we're using the word to do it. We're not using another book. We're not using the Quran. We're not using the Tanakh. We're not using the Talmud. We're using the Bible, the same book that is used in church. And it was it was frustrating to me because I was I was when I was still going to church, I would see the obvious need for repentance, the obvious need to, to seek the most high because there were so many things happening. You know, Michael Brown had just happened. I was teaching in, in uh, Ferguson, Florida School District when Michael Brown happened. And it sent shockwaves through the schools um, up there in the Ferguson, Florida School District. Um, the teachers and I would talk, the, the kids and I would talk. We would, we would hear things. They would tell me some of the things that they saw. They would show me videos and stuff that they saw um, during the, the, the protests and all those type of things. And in my mind, I'm saying to myself, how come there isn't a call to repentance? 
how come the church isn't saying we need to seek the most high on, on what's going on right now? That it, it wasn't there and things continued to unfold. And that was what, five, five years ago, almost six years ago. And now we're at a place where the entire nation is a powder keg to where uh, protests, riots, these things are happening all over the place. In addition to COVID, in addition to lockdowns where people can't go to work, in addition to um, the fires in California, the hurricanes in the South and on the East Coast, in addition to all of these different things that's taking place, and no, no, nobody in church is saying, maybe we should pray, maybe we should repent, maybe we should look in the word and see if there are answers to what's going on here. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. Because we have to point out that if you're looking for the answers for why things are happening, what's going on in the world, and how the Most High, um, how it relates to the Most High and what he's doing, you're not going to get them answers from church. You're not going to get them. You're not going to get them. And so we're doing this to expose these lies and to expose the things that's happening now and how it's going to continue to get worse and how we're going to call. We're calling people back to the word. We're calling people back to the truth, because at the end of the day, his word is true. And his word has all the answers. His word has the instructions for what for the times that we living in. His word has and he said, as these things unfold, he who endures to the end will be saved. This is stuff that we got to go through. These are things that we have to endure. We got to endure the wars. We got to endure the pestilences. We got to endure the diseases. We got to endure the chaos. He said these things will take place. And so we want to encourage y'all, man, get in this world, get understanding. Get understanding. He says, seek wisdom and with all thy getting, get understanding. Understand what's going on. Understand how to how to overcome. He said we overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to overcome in these perilous times. And so again, we're praying for everyone who has loved ones who dealing with COVID, who have family, friends, maybe you dealing with it yourself, dealing with um, financial difficulties. Now we, we're praying for you, we're praying for your strength, but you got to ask yourself, is this judgment from the most high? Father, show me. If it's me, show me where I need to repent. Show me where I need to do better. Show me where I need to turn to you. Ask him. He'll show you. He will show you. All right. So let's get into the actual podcast um, talking about tithing. So we just finished the series on uh, being saved and what that really means. So now we're starting a new series called The Truth About Tithing. So uh, we're going to give our own personal testimonies about tithing. And then we're going to get into what the scripture actually says. So for myself. I was raised to tithe. Uh, my parents taught me to tithe. We were taught to tithe from our allowance. Our allowance was $5. We gave 50 cents to the church. It's what we've always done. And as I got older, uh, I continued to tithe even when I worked. But I went through um, a lot of financial difficulties. You know, when I uh, first got married and first had my first son, 
Um, I was unemployed. I started a business and the business failed. And so I was struggling. We were struggling financially, but we still tied. Um, it was times where we chose to tithe instead of pay certain bills. And at the time, I thought I was being righteous before the Most High. I thought that if I get this tithe, then the Most High will give me some money to help me pay my bills. That's what I was taught because that's what uh, that's what I thought because that's what I was taught in church. And it never happened. I, it's like it was it was so bad. I used to go while while I was going through this. I used to go to the mail looking for a check, <laughs> thinking that wow. thinking that I was going to get a check in the mail because I tithe. Just out of out of thin air. They, it, it was, it was actually <laughs> didn't come yet. Uh, it's October. Hey, it was that bad. It was literally that bad. And, and you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Now I see that, you know, going through those things that the most I didn't want me to do that, you know, and, um, you know, but you're but you're taught in church. Well, you you have to tithe. You have to give this ten percent. You know, and you got to give your offering because he said, well, you robbed me. How have we robbed you? Through tithes and offerings. And so as I grew up um, or, or became older, um, I, I just became aware that it didn't work. At least it didn't work the way that um, church said it did. Pastor and other preachers and teachers of church said it did. And so I, I stopped tithing. Um, a couple of years before I completely left the church, I stopped tithing. And you know, I started to have more money in my pocket. And I was like, dang, well, shoot, I got, I got more money now, you know. And so now coming into this truth, understanding what tithing is, understanding that it comes directly from the Torah, directly from the law, statutes and commandments of the most high and understanding how it's misapplied in the word. It's like, oh, we, we have to expose this lie because people are giving their all. When, or Or they're giving all of their leftovers. They don't have enough to take care of themselves, their family, their kids, other bills, things of that nature. You know? And so I said, we, we have to expose this. We have to deal with this tithe, this tithing lie. And so for me, that's uh, essentially what happened as far as my journey through tithing. So it's, I'm going to give it to you so you can talk about your, your tithing journey as well. Oh, yeah. So mine, mine's is pretty um, straightforward. Like, I grew up in a church. Um, that was just something that we were taught in terms of just, oh, I got to tithe 10%. So whenever I could, I tithe. Um, and then as I started, um, I guess, uh, going away from the church and my tithe started going away from it also, because it's like, why am I paying tithes to an entity that I'm not going to? Yeah. And, um, uh, once I actually started reading and, um, learning about what the tithe actually was used for and what it is specifically and how some of the verses that's used to promote tithing has been used out of context as like, hmm, I want a refund. I, I, like, mm. I, I spent <laughs> a lot of money at this right. and with little to show for it. Mm -hmm. because, um, a lot of times churches like to use anecdotal evidence of well, tithing worked for this one person, would it would work for you too? When it's like there's no hard evidence that tithing actually what actually works right. for that person, and um, especially when you have evidence of like not of it not working for thirty or forty other people. So when you keep promoting this activity where you're supposed to be paying money to its to an entity in order for you to hopefully get a blessing, it sounds kind of 
like a lottery or it sounds like a scam. So it absolutely. So yeah, it's definitely something that, especially during the times that we in, when money is tight due to the fact that we're in a pandemic, prices are slowly mm-hmm. increasing. Mm-hmm. Like prices are slowly increasing. Pound of yep. strawberries was seven forty nine. Now it's nine dollars. Uh, so inflation is coming. Well, yep. it's here. It's been here. So. We just wanted to definitely highlight these things just so you can have, just so you can all have a knowledge of what it is that you're doing, what it is that you're, that you've been doing. And just so you can dig deeper into those uh, practices and make the best decision for yourself, but at least you'll have the information as opposed to relying on um, the church for it. Right. So what we're going to do first is we're going to look into the scripture that they'll always use. Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 through 10. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. And that's, that's what they say. When you, when you don't give your tithes to the church, you're robbing God. It ain't mm-hmm. your tithes. It ain't your money. It's it God's. <laughs> and it, that don't belong to you. It belong to God. When the preacher's really saying, it belong in my pocketbook. That's, that's, really, that's literally what he's saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but you say, in what way have, have we robbed you? In tithes and offering. That's what they, they always emphasize. Well, you got to give tithes and then you got to give offering. Tithes is 10%. Offering is extra. Mm. You are cursed with a curse, but you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Again, what nation he's talking to? Israel. He's talking to America. He ain't talking to Christians, he's talking to Israel. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And so it, it, when I'm when I'm sitting there and I'm and, you know, preacher talking about tithes and I, I'm, I'm sitting there like, you know, yeah. When you tithe, I promise you, he's blessed me. He's gonna bless you too. You gonna, you're not even gonna have enough room to receive the blessing. To me, that means I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get back so much money that I ain't gonna know what to do with. It. I'm gonna have to give some money away. That's what they, that's what they teach. That's what's taught. And so, what we're gonna do is we're gonna break down this scripture. What, what tithing is? What? the storehouse is, what the blessing is, what the window, we're going to break all that down because this scripture does not mean give 10% of your income to church. It's, that's just not what this scripture means. And there is no other scripture in the word, Old Testament or New Testament, that commands you to give 10% of your income, your cash, your currency to church. And so let's start at, let's start with just the word tithe. Let's start there, real simple. So if I go to Strong's Concordance and I look up the word tithe, T-I-T-H-E, I believe it's two, I think it's 214. Let's see. No, it's not 214. I'm sorry. It's H4643. So that word is ma, ma asar. 
and it means a tenth or a tenth part. So that's that's why you know you hear you know pastors say, well, you know, you got to give ten percent, ten percent of your income. That's your tithe that goes to the church, right? Mm-hmm. If we look at the scripture in context, let's see. He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. So it is presumed that storehouse means church. Nowhere in scripture does storehouse mean church. The storehouse is the place where you store what's precious. It's where you store your gold, your silver. It's kind of like like a building that acts as, as a safe or a storage unit. So when Joseph in the scripture, Pharaoh had the dream. Seven lean cows, no, seven fat cows, seven lean cows. The, the lean cows ate the fat cows. What does it mean? Joseph said, you're going to have seven years of, of plenty, seven years of famine. During the seven years of famine or seven years of plenty, you take, I think it was uh, 20% or a fifth of the grain and you store it up so that you can have food for your people during the seven years of famine. So where they stored the food, that was the storehouse. That's literally what the storehouse is. Nowhere in scripture does storehouse say that it's the church. It is, it is the church that we're supposed to, to bring these things. So if we keep going, he said, bring the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. The tithe is literally food. It is literally food. That's what the tithe literally is. And so if we look, as you was talking about Deuteronomy 14 earlier. Yeah. What, what were you saying about Deuteronomy 14? That's really the only time uh, that money's brought into it. It's um, Deuteronomy 14 verses 22 through 29. And this is about the um, pretty much tithing, but it's also the um, three-year tithe or the seven-year tithe. I forget the number, but um, mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and read. It says, like, you shall truly tithe all your increase of your seed that the field brings forth year by year. Oh, dang. Mm. <laughs> so so the tithe is not, is not the, the paycheck, the income check that you get. It's not no, the child support payment. Nope. It's not the, the financial assistance. It's not no, the it's, income from your business. No, it's food. It's okay. It, I, Increase of your food. grain. Okay. Yeah. So, and you shall eat. I'm going to use the name. Uh, mm-hmm. You shall eat before Yahuwah in the place which he shall choose to place his name there and the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstlings of your herds and of your flocks, that you may learn fear, learn to fear Yahuwah always. And if the way be too long for you so that you are not able to carry it, or if the place be too far from you, which Yahuwah shall choose to set his name there when Yahuwah has blessed you, then you shall turn it into money and bind up the money in your hand and shall go unto the place which Yahuwah shall choose. And you shall bestow that money for whatever your soul lusts after, for oxen, for sheep, for wine, for strong drink, or for whatsoever your soul desires, and you shall eat there before Yahuwah, and you shall rejoice you and your household. And the Levite that's within your gates, you shall not forsake him, for he has no part, 
nor inheritance with you. And at the end of three years, you shall bring forth all the tithe of your increase the same year and shall lay it up within your gates and Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, which are within your gate shall come and shall eat and be satisfied that Yahuwah may be may bless you in all the work of your hand, which you do. So the reason why I brought that verse up, because not only does it specify that it's about food, the only time that money is brought up is verse 25 and people use that money to buy food. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so for the, for the people who want to say, Oh, well they use, um, they use uh, cows and oxes and all of that stuff and grains as currency. no, <laughs> they no. use money, which was which was gold and silver. <laughs> yeah, they, they use, we're not trying to weasel your way out of this. They use money, mm -hmm. but they use that money to then buy food. Mm -hmm. So the tithe was never about money per se. It is about food. The one time that money is mentioned, it's to buy food. So that you, was you know. One. Go ahead. But what, what, no, you, you're good. I'm I'm done. Okay, I, I was gonna say, you know what else is interesting? Because um, you was talking about the year. Um, verse twenty-eight says, "At the end of every third year, you shall bring out the tithe of the produce of that year and store it up within your gates." So, on the the third year is the year I'm supposed to tithe. So, if you look at the Most High's calendar, which is in Enoch, and we're actually gonna read Enoch because I'm gonna explain what the whole windows of heaven, what that really means. Um, Enoch talks about the years and how the years are separated also in the book of Jubilees, which Moses wrote, but he, he explained what the years mean. And so the year is not like 2020, 2021, the years, according to the most high going cycles. So there's a first year, second year, third year, fourth year, fifth year, sixth year, seventh year, that year is called the Sabbath year. And then the cycle starts over again, first year, second year, third year. So he's literally saying the only time you tithe is in the third year, but at church, they say you're supposed to bring any time you get paid. If you get $100 from your auntie for Christmas, you're supposed to bring $10, $10 to the church and get that to the church. It, he said every third year, which means this happens every, what, seven years. <laughs> yeah. Because the cycle is seven years that you bring the time. So if that's the case, where, where do we get this? What anytime you get money that you're supposed to bring that tithe to the church when the scripture don't say that he said you only yeah. tithe in the third year and that tithe is food it's not even it's not even currency yeah that's that's pretty much what we've been conditioned into believing that essentially whenever we get paid we're supposed to uh take 10 percent off top and give it to the church sounds like some uh some mob stuff mm -hmm. <laughs> but but yeah, mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, you go just pay, cut off a little something, something that way you can uh, reserve your salvation, right? But that's pretty much it. Ismail, you got something going on in the background? Yeah, it's the home phone ringing. Oh, okay. And then that. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's a. Uh, that's the issue of having a home phone because now right. you gotta actually listen to whatever messages it is that and oh. you're just like, Oh, okay, that's all good. <laughs> no wonder why I switched to cell phones. But it is what it is. Right. I mean, it, it came it came in handy like a few weeks ago. 
that um no not three weeks away a few a few months ago when essentially the cell phone networks went down but yeah mm-hmm. no, that, was, that was a long message but <laughs> yeah the info commercial right about cruise ships and stuff mm. so back back to what we was talking about the 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 idea that you are supposed to give ten percent of your paycheck, your gross pay, that is not in the scripture. When the scripture talks about tithing, that's not what he refers to. We don't have time to get into all of the um, initial concepts of tithing this week. We will get into that um, next week. We think it's going to be a three-part series, but we don't know. Um, but we won't get into everything um, this week. Sorry about that. Trying to Good. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So, but what we what we will do is we will deal with um what it actually means or literally what he's saying here in this scripture in Malachi chapter um three verse eight. So I have to put this disclaimer out. The Holy Bible that we have in America is not the complete word of God. There are other books that have the word of God that was removed from what we call the Holy Bible. And people say, well, well, that the, the, the first Christians, they decided what books was written. They decided what was inspired by God and what wasn't. Believing that statement implies that everything that the Most High said is not important. There you go. Simply believing that statement. So you're going to tell me that these books that these guys wrote was inspired by the Most High, but these books that these guys wrote was not inspired by the Most High, even though some of the books were yeah. written by the same people. Some of these books that Moses wrote were inspired by God, but some of these books that he did that he wrote was not inspired by God. So we're not we're not going to include them books. No, you lying. Mm-hmm. You hiding something. Yeah. What you hide? That's what are you yeah, hiding? That, that's one. That's definitely something that needs to be addressed because um, just from me stepping away mm-hmm. from the church and just reading the word as well as just. Um, researching, um, you come to realize that when it comes to other faiths, like Muslim or Buddhist or Hindu or anything like that, um, their sacred text, they only have one. They only have one version. It's, it's just that. You don't hear about the New International Version of the Quran. You don't hear about the New Living Translation right. of the Torah. You don't hear about... Um, right any other versions of whatever book. It's just that text because um, it's pretty much the notion that whatever it is that you believe in is in that text. There's no need to edit it. You just got to read it. Mm-hmm. They encourage you to mm-hmm. read it. Whereas with, there's a concerted effort in Christianity. Oh, you know, I don't like this version. Uh, so I'm just going to create my own version. Well, I don't like this practice, so I'm mm-hmm. just not going to do it. And then I'm going to make a word, a text that supports my theory by not including it. Or 
and mm-hmm. we tend like we tend to get into arguments about just the version of the text that we're reading, not even realizing that w- was yep. it, wouldn't it be important to have something that's consistent? <laughs> like no matter mm-hmm. what version, how about just making one version that's just consistent? as opposed to making thousands of versions that have tweaks and all oh, the name was changed in this, but it means this thing. No, it doesn't. Oh, mm-hmm. the ver- a verse was taken out here. Well, it wasn't important enough. No. How do you know that? Oh, you know, this chapter was taken out. So how, how about these five chapters were taken out? Oh, we're just going to take out this book. So now essentially you're left with a text that um, is com- incomplete. It's not only incomplete because the books have been taken out. It's incomplete because the books that were left in, some of the chapters in those books were taken out. So, yep. Psalm, X, yeah, <laughs> they, they got missing chapters. Some, some things yep. have words that were just substituted, saying, oh, yeah, you know, the name. And mm-hmm. then they condition you into thinking that whatever was substituted, that's like, that is not important because. More specifically, just the names. Oh, you know, the name's not important, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, we, uh, the, the Most High has many names. No, that's not. That's not what that means. It's, yeah, it ain't God and it ain't Lord. It's, it's especially it, it when names. there's a whole commandment. There's a whole commandment in the Ten Commandments saying, thou shalt not. Yeah, exactly. Don't change his name. Don't right. use his name in vain, which means don't essentially right. uh, ruin it or bring it to nothing. There's value. There is. Mm-hmm. There's value in that name, and, and for you to simply right. just say, "Oh, we're just," you know, he has many names and all that. You, oddly enough, whenever you hear people state that that all oh, the Most High has many names, all oh, the Lord has many names, they're correct, just not in the way that they think that they're correct. Um, the Most High has one name. Mm-hmm. His opposition has many names, mm-hmm. <laughs> but. Uh, the most the most high has one name. He does have titles that serves different functions, mm-hmm. but he there's only one name. Whereas his opposition, right? You already know what it is. I don't even have to get into it. He has many names. What? Uh, Satan, mm-hmm. uh, Beelzebub, Lucifer, uh, uh, Lucifer, Baal, Baal. There's there's uh, there's so many names that you could call them. But I digress because if one this is this lesson is about tithing. <laughs> Once we, because um right. yeah, because uh, if we want wound up getting into that, then we'll, it it involves a lot more stuff that we need to get into. But it is definitely important to know that um, right. uh, whenever it comes to this word, this text, it's important to realize just how much stuff was taken out. So when we reference a book like Enoch or Jubilees. It's not a matter of, oh, man, they're, they're just uh, doing this stuff or they're just trying to be uh, divisive or and go, go through other texts. Mm-hmm. All that stuff was already been disproven. I mean, you could say whatever you want to say. Like, but whenever the word, because Enoch's referenced in Jude, <laughs> whenever the word essentially states mm-hmm. that, then that's an on to look into it. And you got to use your discernment on whether or not things mm-hmm. line up. So that's my piece right. on it. And and, uh, and and Enoch is referenced here in Malachi um, 3 verse 8. And if you don't know what Enoch is talking about, then 
the whole windows of heaven won't make sense. You know, people people think the windows windows of heaven. Well, that that means uh, you know, that God's gonna open up heaven and He's gonna send you a message and He's gonna send you a blessing. You're just gonna be so blessed. No, we, He not explained what the windows of heaven were, and it is very interesting that they left the book of Malachi in that talked about this, but the book that gave That's it its context, they took that out. That's the importance of precepts. Yep. The, the context of the windows of heaven, anytime you see windows of heaven in the scripture, the context of that is found in Enoch. What he's saying is literally found in Enoch, but they took it out. And we're going to deal with that a little bit more is because who gave these people the authority to tell the most high what, what you gave this person, we don't feel like it was inspired by you, so we're not going to include Actually, that. They, they don't, don't have Actually, that authority. Um, if you go to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 12, verse mm -hmm. 32, it's very um, clear when yep. he says that what things soever I command you, guard to do it. You shall not add to nor mm -hmm. diminish from it. Yep. So Essentially, yep. He, in in layman's terms, the Multis said he said what he said. <laughs> he he said what he said. Don't change it. There's nothing. Don't change it. He said what he don't said. Don't take away from it. All these people want to philosophy, bring in their philosophy about the word, and all you know, we brought. Oh, uh, we uh, took the book out because we didn't feel that it was a a work that would no. That's not your judgment. That's not your call. No one calls you to take anything out. No one calls you to add anything to it. He said what he said. So it's up to you as the shepherd of his flock to preach what he said, as opposed to you adding in extra stuff. Oh, you know, the windows. Oh, that means that he's going to bless you in this thing. Well, where did the windows reference come from? Oh, that's not important. Mm -hmm. How is that not important? You keep referencing it, so it must be important. I just want to use it as just a, a way to mm -hmm. give people to make people feel good about giving money because now all of a sudden they're not giving out of the goodness of their heart or um, to please the most high. Right. They're giving because they're expecting something out of it. And last thing we're going to say about about them changing the books, who who was it that did it? It was what they called the, the, quote, early Christians. It was the Council of Nicene, the Catholic Church, the same Catholic Church that was persecuting Negroes, the same Catholic Church that was in charge of the Inquisition, that, that, that killed millions of Negroes, tortured them, the same Catholic Church that gave Columbus and all these other explorers authority to come to America and conquer and kill, the same Catholic Church that gave um, the white man the authority to come to Africa, snatch his chosen people from the kingdoms that they were in Africa and bring them to America and the West Indies and different areas in um, Central America and South America and force them to work. Those are the same people who took, who took those books out of his word. These people who gave us Catholicism and Christianity. So that's who, that's the authority that we stand under when we say, well, they took them books out of the word because they're not supposed to be there. They, they knew. No, they took him out because they were trying to hide something from his chosen people. 
And they've been using this Malachi 3, 8, and 10 lie for hundreds of years to get you to give money to an entity that has its foundation in the Catholic Church. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read what Enoch said, how Enoch explains the windows of heaven and what they are. So I'm reading out of the, the Sefer. I'm at uh, Enoch chapter 75. All right. And so basically Enoch is being shown. Remember, the scripture says Enoch walked with Elohim. He was and then he was not. So he was taken into heaven. Right. Well, Enoch was not j just taken into heaven. He was shown different parts of heaven. He was shown how the heavens work. He was shown how the earth works. He was shown where the different angels and demons were held. He was shown where uh, the souls that died go. Yeah, that's in the book um, of Enoch. I wonder why they took this Yeah, book that's out. a whole nother bag. <laughs> like, we could have, honestly, we could have added yeah. Enoch to our salvation series. <laughs> yeah, we could have. but we, we didn't want to get into that. But Enoch, if you want to know what happens when you die, go look in the book of Enoch. He, he, he puts it out plain as day. And again, they took this out because it's not inspired by God. No, they took it out because they're trying to hide stuff from you. So we're going to go where um, the angel is showing Enoch um, the heavens and what's, what's happening in the heavens. All right, so we at 75, and I'm going to start at verse uh, 10. Thus Uriel, that's, that was the name, that's the name of the angel, he showed me, who was Enoch, 12 gates open from the circuit of the chariots of the sun in heaven, from which the rays of the sun shoot forth. So he's showing him gates that the sun shoots forth um, its light from. From these proceed heat over the earth when they are opened in their stated season. There are, uh, they are for winds and for the, um, the ruach of the dew. Ruach simply means the spirit. When in their season, they are open, open in uh, heaven at the extremities. Now listen to this. It's verse 12. Twelve gates I beheld in heaven at the extremities of the earth through which the sun, the moon, and the stars all work and proceed in their rising and setting. And many windows are also open on the right and the left of the gates. So Enoch is explaining the windows of heaven and their purpose. Okay, so we're going to go down to, so that's the end of 75. So we're going to start at uh, 76, chapter 76, verse 1. At the, the extremities of the earth, I beheld 12 gates open for all the winds, which they proceed and blow over the earth. Three of them are open in the front of heaven, three in the west of heaven, three in the right side of heaven, and three on the left side of heaven. The first three are those which are towards the east, and then three to the north, three behind, which are on the left, and then three to the south, and three on the west. From four of these gates and windows, four of them proceeds winds of blessing and health, and from the eight proceeds winds of punishment. And when they are sent, they destroy the earth, and the heaven above and its inhabitants, which are in the waters and on dry lands. Let's keep going. The first of these winds proceeds from the gate. It determines the eastern through the first gate on the east, which includes 
which inclines southwards. From these go destruction, drought, and heat. So he's literally saying that out of your gates proceed the seasons. I mean, think about it. Wintertime, what happens? Everything is destroyed. Everything dies. The plants die in the winter. The trees die in the winter. All of these things die in the wintertime. And then he said, uh, destruction and drought and heat. That's just summer. That's just summer. The grass goes, starts turning brown if it's not getting water. All of these things are taking place. But what did he say proceeds out of them? Blessing and health. Out of the windows come the blessing. Okay? We're going to keep going. Let's go down to verse 8. No, matter of fact, yeah. Okay, let's, no, let's start at verse 7. So from the middle gate proceeds grateful odor, dew, and rain, and health and life. So he's saying out of a different window is where the rain comes. From the third gate, which is Wester, proceeds, again, dew, rain, and blight. After these winds uh, to the north, which is called the sea from, wait, hold on. After, oh, after these are winds from the north, which is called the sea, and from uh, from their three gates. The seventh gate is on the east, inclining southwards. From this proceeds dew, rain, blight, and destruction. From the middle, and re remember, floods. Sometimes rain brings destruction. Floods. Again, he's simply showing you the, the seasons and how the, the rain and the wind and these things come from the change of seasons. So verse 10, after these four are the winds of the west, and from them the first gate which proceed northward. What comes out of there? Dew, rain, frost, cold, snow, and chill. From the middle gate proceeds rain, health, and blessing. Enoch is simply explaining to you that out of the windows and the gates of heaven, that is where your heat comes from. That is where your snow and frost comes from. It is where your raining and flooding comes from. It is also where your dew and your rain comes from that provides uh, water for your crops. So again, if tithing is food and tithing is grain, according to the Old Testament, if he says, I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive, he's simply saying that I will pour out the blessing, the rain, the dew, the sun for your crops so that your crops will grow and that you will have more crops than you know what to do with. That is literally what he is saying in Malachi chapter three, verse eight and 10 has nothing to do with money, has everything to do with growing food. Hey, hopefully, um, it's not, that's not me. Hopefully. So, that's why it's important. It's, it's so imperative for you to read the word for yourself because of these things that mm -hmm. are often not even talked about whenever it is you go to a service or Bible study or anything like that, because a lot of times people don't want to ask. And whenever they do, that is it's never talked about under the rug or mm -hmm. it's just something that your teacher was taught and not necessarily something that was held Oops. up by the word. Or at least, or at least the verse that they use is yep. taken out of context. 
And if you look in the scripture, there, there's only a couple other places where the scripture talks about the windows of heaven. And they're both in Genesis. Genesis chapter 7, verse 11, and Genesis chapter 8, verse 12. Those, um, both of those verses have to do with Noah and the flood. And he literally is saying, matter of fact, let's read them real quick. Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. In the 600th day of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were open. And the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. So he's saying again, the windows was open and the rain came out of the windows. So we talking about the flood. He opened the windows of heaven to pour out the rain, which is needed for your crops to grow. Let's go to chapter eight, verse. No, it wasn't verse 12. I miswrote that. Let me let me find it real quick. It wasn't chapter eight. Oh, it's it's verse two. Okay. It is chapter eight, but it's verse two. I don't know why I put twelve on there. Okay, go uh, ahead and read read that, Israel. And the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. So the windows opened, the rain came down in chapter seven. Chapter eight, the rain, the windows closed and the rain stopped. This is the context of the windows of heaven. And this is confirmed in the book of Enoch. There are no other scriptures that talk about the windows of heaven other than Malachi 3.10. It's about the rain. It's about the season. And it's about the crops. Windows of heaven ain't spiritual. Like <laughs> since all the references of windows of heaven has to do with rain, what do your crops need for them to grow and be plentiful? They need rain. <laughs> they need rain. <laughs> they need rain and sun. And so we have been spiritualized into giving 10% of our income based on a lie. Based on a lie. There are other scriptures that they use, you know, well, God loves a cheerful giver. I've heard that one. Um, what else have I heard? Uh, Luke chapter 6, I think it's verse 38. Uh, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. He will cause men to give into your bosom. He ain't talking about money. <laughs> he ain't talking about money. Them scriptures is not talking about money. And so when you look at the at the book, when you look at the word, matter of fact, let's do this real quick. Let's see what the word says that the tithe was for. Let's see who's really supposed to get it. Let's go to Deuteronomy 26. 
we're going to see who really is supposed to get the tie. All right. Start at, um, let's do, let's, let's, let's go start at verse one. All right. And we'll and stop when we need to stop. Come in unto the land which you would give you for an inheritance and possess it and dwell therein. Then you shall take of the first of all the fruit of the earth which you shall bring to your land that Yahuwah gives you and shall put in it a basket and shall go unto the place which Yahuwah shall choose to place his name there. You shall go unto the, unto the priest that shall be in those days and say unto him, I profess this day that Yahuwah that I am come unto the country which Yahuwah swore unto our fathers for to give us. And the priest... Okay, hold on, hold on, right, hold on right there is. So uh, let me let me address this. So when whenever you see what a scripture where he says, put it put in the basket and go to the place where Yahuwah, your Elohim chooses to make his name abide. So that place that he's talking about was um, that was the temple. That's where the priest ministered. So all of Israel was supposed to do this. But for Israel to be a nation, Israel was millions of people. So they had cities in different places. So they were supposed to take their tithe at a certain time and travel to where the priests were and give them the food that they were supposed to get. So where his name abides, that's not a church. Nowhere does this, the scripture say that that is a church. When you read all the scriptures where he's talking about that, that is either the tabernacle of meeting where they meet when it's the appointed times or that was the, um, the temple that was built under King Solomon. Because he wanted a place where he where he could come and meet. Nowhere does the scripture say that that is the church. Okay, so let me just say that. All right, you can go right. keep going. And the priest uh, shall take the four. basket out of your hand and set it down before the altar of Yahuwah, and you shall speak and say before Yahuwah, an Amorite, is that it? Uh, an Aram, I was Syrian. There we go. Sorry, about Syrian. That. Ready to perish was my father, and he went okay. down to Mitzrayim. That's uh, Egypt. Yeah, no, yeah, and uh, sojourned there yep. with a few and became there a nation great and mighty and populous. And the Egyptians' evil entre entreated us and afflicted us and laid upon us hard bondage. And when we cried unto Yahuwah of our fathers, Yahuwah heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. And Yahuwah brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm and with great terribleness and with signs and with wonders. And he has brought us into this place and has given us this land and even a land that flows with milk and honey. Ah, that's where they got that from. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits mm -hmm. of the land which you, O Yahuwah, have given me and you have set it before Yahuwah and worshiped before Yahuwah. And you shall rejoice in every good thing which Yahuwah has given unto you and unto your house, to you and the Levite and the stranger that's among you. When you have made an end of tithing, all the tithes of your of your increase the third year, which is the year of tithing, and have given it unto the Levite, the stranger, mm. the fatherless, and the widow, then that they may eat within your gates and be filled. Okay, hold on right there. So all of this that they're doing, everything that they're gathering and taking, that is the tithe. It is food. Okay? This is the tithe. And when is this supposed to be done? The third year. We just read that 
earlier in Deuteronomy 14. So here we have another example of scripture saying tithing is only for the third year. Okay. And who did he say it's for? It's for the Levite who was the priest who ministered before the most high, the stranger, the fatherless and the widow. It was for the people who could not provide for themselves. That's who the tithe was for. It was for the poor among them. The Levite could not provide for himself because the Levite was ministering before the most high. That's not the same as your pastor. That is not the same thing. A priest here in the scripture, in this context, and a pastor, those are two different things. A pastor is, is in, in how a pastor acts today, that's someone more similar to a prophet even though many, most pastors are not prophets. They say they are, but they're not prophets. Because if they were prophets, they wouldn't have big churches because they tell their people the truth. Prophets told their people the truth. And if you tell your people the truth, they're not going to want to hear it. They're going to want, they're going to leave you. If you look in the scripture, most of the prophets were rejected. Most of the prophets were killed. Most of the prophets were stoned to death because they told the people the truth. They didn't have people coming, running up to them, listening to them, loving everything that they say because they gave them what they wanted to hear. They gave them the word of the most high. So the priest and the pastor, those are two different things. You understand what I'm saying? Those are two completely different things. And he said, bring them food. If you want to take canned goods and, and all type of stuff to the church, by all means. But for your pastor to tell you that God said you're supposed to give him and his church 10% of your money that you worked for, plus an offering. That is a bold-faced lie. It is a bold-faced lie. It's not in the book. You breathe tithes during the third year. One year. One year. And even then, oh, it's still let, not your Let's go comments. one verse further. Yeah, we yeah, yeah we're not done yet. Shall, yeah, we keep going. Yeah, and then you shall say before Yahuwah, I have brought away the hallowed things out of my house, and have also given them unto the Levite and unto the stranger, to the fatherless and to the widow, according to all your commandments which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, neither have I forgotten them. So this is something that was written. This is something that he gave. This was an instruction. This was a command that he gave us to do. This is not a matter of, oh, you know, they used to do this, but we don't do that anymore because a word is supposed to last forever and mm -hmm. his commandments as well. And this is one of those matters where you're supposed mm -hmm. to be, one of the things that you should be keeping is to be giving to the Levite, to the stranger, to the fatherless, to the widow. And that's pretty much the, bringing it back to what he stated in Deuteronomy uh, twelve thirty two. He said what he said. <laughs> like that, that. That's pretty much it. That's that's the end of the matter. He yep. he said what he said. There's no trying to philosophize. Oh, you know, you know, he may have said that we were supposed to give uh, food, but food really means that no. That that's not no no. Don't try and overthink this. There's no overthinking this. It it, it says what it says, and if you're trying to overthinking that means that you're doing something wrong and you just don't want to accept the fact that mm. you've been lied to. 
Mm-hmm. And I want to I want to give um, this context to one more one more scripture. This tithing context. So we we see where he says, "Bring the tithe to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow." Who are these? These are the poor. The Levite is poor because his job was to minister before the Most High. The stranger was poor because the stranger is someone from the outside that's not an Israelite that comes and wants to keep the commandments. So he doesn't have an inheritance of land. He doesn't have an inheritance of grain and flocks and things of that nature, the things that made them wealthy. Remember when the scripture said Abraham was wealthy, he was wealthy in what? Flocks, lands, herds, things of that nature. The stranger didn't have that, so he's poor. The fatherless. If you don't have a father, what inheritance do you have? Also poor. The widow. You're not a man. You don't have anything to take care of you. It's not talking about the widow, how we see it here in America, because obviously women, women work. But back then it was the father. It was the man. It was the husband who owned the land and who had the possessions. And so he's saying those who are fatherless widows, Levites and strangers, the poor, that's who you're supposed to be giving the tithe to. You're supposed to be taking care of them, making sure they eat. Now, let's go to really quickly Proverbs chapter 19, because we, we're, we're a little bit over our 19, and I believe it's verse 17. And this, this scripture just sums up what we're really supposed to be doing as far as tithing goes. He that hath pity on the poor lends unto Elohim, or in, unto the Most High. So, when he says he that has pity upon him, he's saying he that gives to him. You see the poor, you have pity on him, you give to him. When you give to the poor, you lend unto the most high. And that which you give, the most high will pay you back. So he's saying when you give to the poor, the what? The Levite, the fatherless, the stranger, the widow, the one who cannot provide for themselves. You're keeping his commandments. And by keeping his commandment, he will give that back to you. There is no command to give 10% of your income to the church. If you are getting food and taking that uh, food to a food pantry at at a local church or a food bank, and that goes to the poor, that's an example of tithing. According to the scripture, if you have some land and you grow some food and you give that to some some people who don't have it, that's an example of tithing. If you want to just donate to your church because you believe your church is a blessing and you want to give them that, by all means, do that. If that's what you want to do, go ahead. We're not saying don't do that. What we are saying is it is a lie for your pastor or your preacher or anybody in church leadership to get up in the pulpit and say, God told you to give tithes and offering, which means you give 10% of your income to the church. And then whatever offering, because remember the offering was um, food as well, for the most part in scripture. Offering was food as well. There were certain times where the offering wasn't, but it wasn't in the context of bringing it to the Levite. What they were supposed to bring to the Levite and the stranger and the widow, that was food. Period. And so Tithes and offering being money, scripture doesn't teach that. Like it said, there's only one place where you convert your tithes to money and you use that 
for whatever you want to use it for. But this there's a lie that well you need to give ten percent of your your tithe your income income to church. It is a lie. It is a lie. At the end of the day, these are things that that are not considered when tithing according to what the church says it is. These are things that not, not taken into consideration. Number one, cost of living goes up. Why does the cost of living going up? The cost of living is going up because your government is printing money. They are printing currency. The currency that you are working for, they are printing it out of thin air. When you go to buy a house or a car and you go get a loan from the mortgage company or from the bank, they do not have that cash or currency in their vaults. When you get a mortgage and a loan, you are literally creating currency with a promise to pay it back with interest. If currency is being created like that and it forces the cost of living go, to go up, how can you give 10% of that income? You can't do it. It's not possible. It's not sustainable. Those are things that's not taken into consideration. Another thing that's not taken into consideration, taxes. Taxes are not taken into consideration when tithing comes. You give insurance. So, so many people who have insurance, that comes out of your check. Taxes come out of your check. Your retirement comes out of your check. Tithing is supposed to come out of your check as well. Off the gross. Are you supposed to live off the crumbs, off the rest of that? While your government is printing the same currency that you're working 40 hours a week for? Nothing but holes in this foundational lie of tithing in the church. Nothing but holes in it. It simply does not work. And this is why people in church get frustrated when it comes to tithing and they just stop doing it. Because they see the preacher, preacher living good. You know, is the preacher supposed to get paid? To, to me, honestly, no, because the preacher's lying about the church. Does the preacher know that he's lying? Some of these preachers do. Some of these pastors know. My, my mother has spoken to uh, a pastor that she knows, that knows the stuff that we're talking about is not is, is, is true about who we are as a people that we're supposed to be keeping the commandments and all of that type of stuff. Many of these pastors know these things are true and they're not telling their people. And it's a shame. It is a shame. It is wicked. And many of them are living nice, living good. And if they got a job and a side business and they got that's that's all fine and good. That's that's ain't nothing wrong with that. But if most of their income comes from the church, and people tithing and giving offering and they living good while they people struggling, you looking at a crook. You looking at somebody that the most high did not call to lead his people. And this is why, like me and Ismail keep saying, it's why it's so important to read the word for yourself. To know what the word says. There is no scripture. And we encourage you, Look up all the scriptures about tithing. Look up all the scriptures about offering. Look up all the scriptures in the Torah about tithing and offering and giving. Look up the scriptures about money. The Bible's full of scriptures about money, but you'll see that they aren't connected to tithing. You'll, you'll see that. And so um, we're going to end it there for this week. Uh, we're about, you know, about 11, 12 minutes over. But we're going to end it there next week. We're going to get into what 
the scripture says about tithing specifically, starting with, uh, I believe it's Leviticus. Uh, what? No, that's not true. Genesis. The first example of tithing was with Abraham in Genesis. We're going to deal with that. And then we're going to deal with what the rest of the Torah says in Leviticus and Numbers. Uh, we've already dealt with a lot of what Deuteronomy says about tithing. But um, this lie about tithing causes people to struggle, causes people to live in poverty unnecessarily, causes them to not have the money that they're supposed to have. You already see the, the gap between the rich and the poor widening. It's because the American system steals from you. When they print currency, that's literally them taking food out of your baby's mouth because it requires food prices to go up. It requires gas bill and electric bills to go up. It requires uh, house pr housing prices to go up, car prices to go up, insurance. All of these things are, are going to keep going up because your government's just printing currency. They're stealing from you. And in addition to that, the church is doing the same thing. Stealing from you, manipulating you, making you feel guilty that you're not giving your tithes, your income to the church. When the Most High never said that, He said who, who the tithe is for. He said what the tithe was and who it's for. Again, if you want to donate to your church or any organization, by all means do that. But do not feel any obligation to give 10% of your income to your church under the premise that God said so because he didn't. All right. If you got anything please you want to add before we close please, it up. Please read. That, that's all I have. Just please read. Don't, uh, don't please get just in the word. word. Just read. It get like and, in and the word. Have these please stop having these squabbles about versions of all you know our this version and that version. Just mm -hmm. read the word. Read the word for yourself and just mm -hmm. come to a better understanding of what it is that's in the text. Then we could get into uh, versions and all that stuff. But in, but until you actually read what's in the book, then there's really nothing to discuss. There's nothing to argue. There's nothing to really debate because you haven't even done your due diligence to even see what it is that you actually believe in. Read the read the contract that you ascribe to, like that's that's what's odd right. about it. You profess, like you confess with your mouth and you believe, but you don't read the contract in which it uh, in which the Most High has given you, which is the Word. It, like there is a oral agreement of your belief and a written agreement that is in the Word. That's the commandments and all that stuff, and you don't even read what's what it is that you're supposed to be doing read that first read mm -hmm. yes i think you cut out i'm not sure if you're on mute okay well, i think i think we lost this but uh, we're going to go ahead and close it out. Um, remember, please remember. The word, the most high is true. His word is true. But the church is a lie. God bless.